I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Design and food go hand in glove. The similarities are too numerous to mention all of them here, but consider texture, color, and the connections we make with food as we do with design that remind us of moments in time and places that make us happy and bring back memories. I had the opportunity to catch up with Steve Samson, a cornerstone of the Southern California culinary community. Samson is the chef and owner of not one, but two Los Angeles restaurants of note, Soto and Rosa Blue. Steve has mastered the art of Italian cuisine, and there's a very good reason for that. He has always had one foot firmly planted in Southern California and the other in Northern Italy, Bologna to be exact. You'll hear Steve tell the story and he can explain it far better than I can. But visiting his Bolognese family each year as he grew up allowed him to develop a feel for the Bolognese style of cooking and Italian cooking in general. He was immersed in it, and that's why he's focused his culinary career on Italian cooking, and he's been rewarded for it. Samson has been recognized by Jonathan Gold, the LA Times, LA Magazine, The Hollywood Reporter, Eater LA, The Rob Report, and numerous others for his accomplishments as a culinary star. As you'll hear, Steve doesn't really pay attention to that too much because he just wants to cook for you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, and I hope that you do, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a note and a five-star rating. It helps new listeners find the podcast. Enjoy this episode with chef and owner of LA's Soto and Rosa Blue, Steve Sampson. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at Vendome.com. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond, always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. Snyder Diamond is a family-owned and operated company that serves the Southern California design and architecture community as well as discriminating homeowners through remarkable customer service and a curated offering of kitchen and bath appliances, fixtures, and finishes. The products at Snyder Diamond include the industry's best, like the full line of Mila appliances. Mila, a family-owned and operated company offering industry-leading products since 1899. This includes a full line of refrigerators, ovens, steamers, cooktops, wine units, coffee machines, dishwashers, ventilation hoods, washers, and dryers. All of these products are made using the highest standards in manufacturing and industry-leading technology to provide a superior class of appliance. Form, function, and future. That's Mila. Pair that 
with the standard bearer when it comes to customer service, and Snyder Diamond delivers dreamy kitchens that exceed expectations. If that's not enough, right now and for a very limited time, Mila is offering some amazing and very generous rebates and offers. For details on these and to see the full line of Mila products, visit any of the three Southern California Snyder Diamond locations or visit online at SnyderDiamond.com. Sometimes life is serendipitous. And um, while we've spoken to chefs before on the show, I've, I've never uh, spoken to this chef before. Steve Sampson, uh, Rosa Blue Restaurant, the accolades for the restaurant have been piling up. The reviews have been stellar. Your success is well-deserved, and it's been fun to watch. And what's so cool is that Steve and I went to high school together. Yeah. And this is, my, this is my second. I've gone to a couple of reunions, uh-huh. and my first child was delivered by one of our classmates, Dr. Jay Goldberg. Oh, okay. Yeah. And... Um, it's, it's always fun this long after to sort of come back because when we were in school, you would, you'd be gone for the summers. Right. And explain where you'd go. I would go to Bologna to my, my mom's hometown and uh, to stay with my grandparents. My dad studied in Bologna and married my mom there. And so her whole family was there. My, my grandparents lived in... Uh, a small working class suburb out just outside of Bologna. So I basically grew up with a whole different set of friends over there, and it was really special. It was like a second life, really. Yeah, yeah. So how long did you know? Let me back up. Yeah. From a culinary standpoint, from what you ate and how you ate, growing up in the valley in the 80s and spending summers in Italy in the 80s, Probably, probably a little different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From a, from a culinary standpoint, is is that when you fell in love with food? Definitely, uh, definitely fell in love with uh, not just food, but the whole kind of social aspect of and uh, familial aspect of of food and how how important a part of life it is in Italy, and family life is is spent around the table more so than than anywhere else really. So there's a connection between my family and the food and the type of food that I ate growing up and yeah I realized that kind of early on when do you first remember cooking I remember cooking probably not until I was in college uh, having dinner parties and and maybe bringing some of my mom's ragu to toss with some pasta or to make a risotto but uh, nothing too adventurous, uh, you know, uh, uh, but I do remember cooking in college. And your path in college was, don't tell me, was it medicine? Was it pre-med? No, not, not my first go around. Okay. I was a history major okay. and, uh, at UC San Diego. And then um, I kind of, after I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I kind of floated around. Spent some time in Italy as well. Um, and eventually I kind of decided that my dad is a doctor and my, so is my older brother. Uh, they're both orthopedic surgeons uh, that I thought, well, maybe I maybe should go to medical school. So I did 
do all the prerequisites, uh, science prerequisites, uh, like called the post-baccalaureate pre-medical program. I took the MCAT, um, but I didn't really have the passion for it. And like for a lot of things in life, uh, doing something, especially something that demanding that you're not passionate about, it's, I wouldn't recommend it. So <laughs> I kind of finally decided to explore my passion for cooking. So I ended up going to cooking school instead. And then the second I, the second I was in a professional kitchen, I, know, I knew I'd made the right decision. It was really kind of changed my life in a lot of ways. Explain the conversation where you tell your parents you're dropping out of med school to become <laughs> a chef. Well, thankfully, I hadn't started med school yet. So that would have been more difficult. I, I think, you know, my parents really just wanted me to find my way. I don't think, uh, I think they probably knew that I wasn't cut out for medical school. So uh, it wasn't as bad as you might think. I, I think if anything, it, I think they were just hoping it wasn't just another whim that, you know, that I was just gonna do for a few months and then, and then, and then decide to do something else. So I think once they realized that, that I really loved it and that I, I was passionate about it. I think they were they were happy for me. Take me through the process because anyone who's worked in the service industry, in food service, in the back of the house, mm -hmm. that's that's a hard job. Yeah. And when I say it's a hard job, I don't mean like wow, that's a hard job. I mean seriously, there's there's pressure, there's hot water, there's hot everything, yeah. there's heat, there's knives, there's sharp, there's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's inhospitable, it's not a nice place to be. Right. Did you ever come to like that? Do you, do you like it now? And what was the process becoming a chef with your own restaurant? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it immediately, I loved it. I felt like I was a part of something. I felt like I was, you know, I, I started off in New York, so, you know, it was exciting, it was difficult, it was dirty, it was painful, uh, stressful. I mean, I didn't always like every job that I had, but I loved just being in the kitchen and, and getting through a busy service and you get this feeling like you're, it's, when you're in the weeds, as we say, uh, you, you feel like it's never gonna end. And especially if you're working in a kitchen where the chef kind of hates you, doesn't doesn't really talk to you at all until I mean you, you know some chefs don't talk to you until you they you prove that you've proven that you know that you're worth their time in a way because you know for the first couple of months at any restaurant it's more I mean they're investing more in you than they're getting out of you so I mean then just to be able to put my head down and, and get through it every night and then from getting through it every night, you know, thinking no matter what, my mom's still gonna love me and don't crack, don't crack, to, to taking that same feeling and just getting through it on a larger level, like learning how to work every station in the restaurant and becoming a real asset to the restaurant and going out after work for drinks with all, the, all your cook friends, because you, know, you, you basically lose all your other friends who, who have normal lives, and you just start hanging out with all the degenerates in the kitchen. And then you go to a bar and you're hanging out with cooks and chefs from other restaurants, especially in New York. It's, it's a real kind of community. Uh, so it was, it was special for me. It was a really cool time in my life. Uh, 
you know, but you just take those lessons and keep applying them and at other parts of your career, just like, you know, I was, I learned also early on, like I could, the guy next to me, you know, I might think I'm better and see him or her getting more opportunity than me. And it's easy to get caught up in that, but I learned early on what he or she is doing has nothing to do with me, that I have to keep my own focus, singular focus. And um, that's applied, I've applied that throughout my career, even today when I have a restaurant and it's compared to other restaurants. It's easy to get caught up in it and say, well, what we're doing is unique and what, what, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because whether, I'm successful, whether Rosso Blue is successful, has nothing to do with other restaurants, really. It just has to do with how much work we're putting into it and constantly trying to make it better. So, so yeah, it's, it's been really cool. I've really enjoyed <laughs> the journey. When did you finally know that this is where you should be, this is what you should be doing? Uh, in a way, it was the first, first day I ever set in a, foot in a kitchen because I just loved the energy, just the movements. I, I fit in. I, I, I could tell I had a talent for it. Um, but then again, you know, it, it's required a lot of work, and I still don't feel like I'm there yet. I still feel like I'm learning every day, uh, just diff with different aspects. Managing people can be really difficult, uh, trying to really be organized and, and efficient because you have to be super efficient in what I do. It's been a struggle, but uh, I just think I've, I'm, like every day I'm trying to get better. I think that's important. So that's a really interesting point. Second time you've mentioned it, and I totally get it. The managing people yeah. part of it. If you could just be a creative, if you could just be a chef, if you could just go make, create, come up with new ideas based on old ideas, if you could just mm -hmm. take the old ideas and do it that, but you have to be a restaurant owner. Sure. So how do you... It's a, it's a pedestrian question, but it, seriously, how do you wrap your head around it? Because the management side of the business, and it's interesting because I found this in every discipline in design, every, whether you're talking to an interior designer, an artist, an architect, it really is the same when you get to a certain level where you have to rely on other people. Mm -hmm. Now you have to become a business owner and you have to become a manager of people. Right. And it's not, it's not great. How do you manage that? And also, how do you sort of, how do you manage that knowing that the reputation of the chef mm -hmm. is hard, callous, and maybe people come in with their own, like they won't bring you a problem because they don't want the response to it. Right. How do you balance that? I think what I've learned, and it's taken me a long time to learn this because I've got my first job as a head chef probably 15 years ago and I really didn't know how to manage people then uh, and I've just what I've learned through the years is the most important thing is finding the right people to hire uh, who fit in and, and really establishing a set of core values that that are integral to the business and to the type of people you want to recruit uh, to be a part of the business um, I'm not interested in hiring the tortured genius anymore. Those, they're always more trouble than they're worth. Uh, so I try to steer clear of the 
super talent, I'm better than anyone else here, tortured genius, whether they're actually geniuses or not, that's, uh, I don't even want to find out <laughs> anymore. Uh, so I just want people who are, to, to just bring in people who are willing to work together with, with, for a common goal. I think that's the most important thing. And b building a strong team, just like in athletics or, or in any other business. You know, unfortunately, the restaurant business, you know, doesn't always have, you know, the same pool of talent that maybe an architecture firm would have. But then again, I'm sure that those other kind of places come with their own uh, types that are, you know, probably more tortured geniuses in, in those fields than there are in, in, in mine, thankfully. But um, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, it's just been, it's really important to just hire the right people. It's so funny that you say the whole tortured genius thing. I totally get it. And it's funny because being in broadcasting for as long as I've been, when I was hiring people to come in, I always got the same thing. They would always say, I want to be the next. If we were talking politically, it was, it was you know, Rush Limbaugh or, mm. or Sean Hannity at the mm. time or Glenn Beck. If it was entertainment, it was always they wanted to be the next Howard Stern. It, it was always something like that. And it's kind of in the, in the business, regardless of the creative endeavor you're in, if you're looking for a creative person, mm -hmm. there's, there's always that star because they always want, totally shifting gears on you now. When, when you started Rosa Blue, do you start it because this is your, this is your family story? This, mm -hmm. is, this is what you do, this is who you are, and you're gonna start a restaurant, and whatever happens, happens you know because you can't predict how rather how do you predict a success level for a restaurant because it's dependent uh, on so many yeah, things yeah you can't it, it almost was uh, kind of the uh, if you build it they will come type of thing especially where we are in the old produce market in the middle of the fashion district there's really nothing around there but you know we found this great space I kind of you know was working at Soto, my other restaurant, still, I'm still a part of it, and uh, it's doing great, and have a great team there. We built a great re little restaurant there, and my wife and I, you know, we're like, well, what's going to be next? And I, I was like, at a point in my career that I really just felt like I had to, I almost had like an epiphany that, you know, I've been cooking for so long now, and like not really thinking about what kind of restaurant, like what would be my ideal restaurant. And then it, it just kind of dawned on me. It seems so obvious, but, but I guess at the time it wasn't. You know, Soto's a Southern Italian restaurant. I'd spent time in Southern Italy. I love Southern Italy. I love Southern Italian food. But I, I got to a point where I didn't really feel like I was cooking the kind of food I wanted to cook. So, and to me, it's like, well, why did I start cooking? It's because of this connection I had to the food I ate growing up. So it seemed very logical. Okay, that's the kind of food I should be cooking. And I was, I'm hoping, I mean, luckily, you know, it's not a very difficult food to love. I mean, it's very approachable. It's very likable. Very, um, most people seem to like the food from that part of Italy. Um, so, you know, I just, was I hope that I could do a good enough job that that you know that people would would come and 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 enjoy it um, and it's still a struggle every day you know it's it's there's so many factors involved with you know we I had to 
you know, beg and borrow <laughs> to get this restaurant open. My, it was very stressful for, for my wife and, and me. And, you know, we just found a lot of great people along the way who helped us like realize the dream to open the restaurant. And, uh, so now I feel super indebted to them because, you know, I have to, you know, pay them back their investment and hopefully make their investment a good investment by <laughs> bringing money in on top of it. So, you know, it's just, it's a really tough business. It's, it's, uh, you know, if you get, you know, 10 cents out of every dollar you put in, you're doing well. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's, that's a terrible business model. I know, <laughs> I know. And so many places fail, you know, it's hard for me knowing the reality behind it to, to, you know, ask my friends and my family to invest their money because it's basically has to be money that you're prepared to lose if, in a worst case scenario, because there's so many factors involved, you know, even just the economy could tank and people stop going out to eat. You could do everything right. And there's could be something that happens that, that just, you know, ends the business. It's out of your control. But isn't that the case in any business? Yeah, I'm sure it is for sure. So when, and I'm, I'm using him as, as an example, just because, you know, here in LA, he's he's the guy when when jonathan gold walks in james beard award-winning food critic i don't want to call him a critic he's a journalist right you know and the yeah. the way his approach to journalism and reporting on food i've always appreciated mm-hmm. that about him but when when he, first of all do you know when he's coming of course you do you don't know when he's coming but you know when you see him walking through the door he's, okay he's very much a visible presence yeah so when he walks through the door, you hear the stories about what goes through people's minds, but having you sitting here and be able, being able to ask you, when he walks through the door, what's going through your mind? Uh, well, you know, there's, you know, you know, to his credit, I don't think, like you say, he's more of a journalist and he's not as much of a critic. So I don't think it's his intention to either validate or destroy a business. I think he just wants to do great work, which he does. He's a great writer. Nonetheless, it's it's stressful when when he walks in the door, even though he's, you know, a very kind person and he's very quiet and, you know, but he's definitely like he has a very visible and and a persona. There's a, he's definitely, it's 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 uh, it's stressful because in a way, especially you know, you've just opened this restaurant. Uh, you know, they usually wait a little bit. They, you know, I don't think they try to come in right as you open because, you know, you want to give you some time to work out the kinks. But, you know, it's like, okay, this is make it or break it time. You know, w- whether he gives you a good review or, uh, you know, a slightly negative because he doesn't. He, do- he doesn't really tear people apart, which is which I appreciate because. Uh, but if you don't get a good review from it for him, from him or from some of the other even though now he's pretty much the last one standing in a way there's nobody's really reviewing restaurants anymore, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's Marwan. He's, he's a architect. He, he designed our restaurant. He's coming in next. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. That's, Hey Marwan. <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, it's very, uh, stressful. You want everything, you know, you know, like if you create something that 
I mean, I know like if everything's perfect, I know it's going to be good, but that's probably the most stressful thing about what we do. Like I said before, it's like, it has to be consistently excellent because you can get all the accolades. And if you give somebody a bad meal or if it's not, doesn't taste exactly the way you want it to, well, then they're not going to enjoy the experience. So, you know, in a sense, like I knew that I didn't have to do anything outside of what we normally do, but we just had to make sure it was perfect. And thankfully he really seems to have enjoyed it. So, and I, I love that. No pressure. We just had to make sure it was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, too, because I think with someone like him, unfortunately, most people's perception of, of a food critic or a food writer is from Ratatouille. Yeah. You know, so, but I think when he comes in, the way that he writes, I think that he only approaches restaurants that he has an interest in. Right. I kind of feel like, you know, as, as, a, as a reader of his for quite some time, I feel like his approach is always, he wants them to succeed. Right. He wants this business to do well. Right. He's not going to say it is if it isn't. Right. But he's hoping that the business is doing well. Right. And, you know, with, with, with your reputation, I, I think that that probably serves as, you know, he knows sort of what, what the, the expectation mm-hmm. is pretty much set when he comes in right. and then when you deliver on that on that expectation it, it's it's perfect as yeah. as you know as you're hoping for you know yeah. perfection is is relative though yeah. right yeah but, for sure but for sure. did you obviously you did it's a stupid question but obviously you've you've figured that this simple italian food was going to be popular because there's nothing not to like about it it's right. something that you want to enjoy and when when prepared mm-hmm. to again to an expectation or to an idea yeah but one thing i tell my cooks you know we live in los angeles such a, a multi-ethnic city and going back to jonathan gold like who's done more to promote you know the the food in this city than he has especially all the ethnic enclaves so but for me you know there are so many bold flavors and all these other cuisines that, that are in LA, you know, Mexican food, all the different, you know, regional Mexican food, regional Thai food, Vietnamese food. It's very, uh, lots of flavors, lots of big flavors. And Bolognese food is not that. It's not spicy. It's not uh, overly acidic, you know, so it's, 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 very umami rich i think so kind of like a but it's kind of austere in a way uh but it has this this flavor umami and parmesan cheese you know that uh people seem to love but that being said you really have to have to like hit those flavors right on or else it can be what they say in italy is like the biggest uh uh the worst thing you can say about somebody's food is that it's insipido, it's insipid, it lacks flavor. Because if you don't really season it right, uh, it can kind of be lacking in flavor. Or it could be over-salted. You know, some people they have different tolerances for salt. So we've been, some people said like, some of us things are salty. But like, I just have to trust my palate because I feel my palate for salt is pretty right on. So... It, it, so it's hard in that sense because it really does have to, you really have to be consistent for sure. And in addition to that, it really is, it is an original 
form of comfort food. Yeah. And it's familial and mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it, it says family, yeah. you know, and it has that idea coming into it. Does that, do you also feel though that that also sets the expectation and the standard so high? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think in a way when you cook really soulful and familial type food, I think people are, could be more forgiving in a sense, you know, whether it was good or bad, you know, we opened to, you know, we were kind of under the microscope because we were supposed to open for a long time and the restaurant was delayed and, and we were getting publicity even before we were open. And, you know, so people were, I think were, were, looking forward to the restaurant opening. So we were kind of under the microscope a little bit, but I think the food should hopefully tend to, to, you know, make people forget that and just want to eat and be around friends and family. It, see, it's interesting though, because, you know, here in LA, it's really interesting. Los Angeles is one of those cities. It's not one of those cities. It is the city where this is where people come to reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. Always have. This is where you try new things. This is where experimentation is not only accepted, but it's encouraged. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, you got to... And it's not always good, but I, I almost feel like the, the experimentation gets a little bit more leeway. Like, oh, you know, it wasn't... I had no... Because the expectation's not there. Right. Right? But when right. you expect something living up to that and and clearly you have um which which makes me wonder so what's what's next and here's the challenge as i as i see it it's the same with a designer or an architect or even or even a performer of any kind mm -hmm. who runs the risk and, and it happens in in interior design all the time where a designer will get sort of typecast because they've done they've done this and and people say oh they do that and so that's what they want do you worry about being sort of typecast as a creative and or maybe is that okay yeah i mean i guess you know i've if i've been been typecast as kind of the italian food guy that's fine it's it's what i do it's it's better for i feel it's better to to have a point of view regardless of of whether you're typecast or not like i don't ever want to open a a new american restaurant i don't want to open a french restaurant or a mexican restaurant i think there's plenty of super talented people around who can do that it doesn't have to be me i don't have anything to prove uh, other than i just want to cook the food that i like to cook and that I like to eat and that that means something to me it, it has to come from someplace special and I think you know like I said I'm, I'm not an artist I'm I'm a craftsman I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to learn this craft and I'm, I'm very uh, it's something that I you know I know I can go work anywhere in the world if I want to it's a craft that there cooks so wait a minute because I, I just want to, and last question, because it's funny, I said this was going to be my favorite interview, and it has <laughs> been, this has been great. The difference, though, and I find it kind of striking, the difference as you describe it between being an artist and being a craftsman, I find that really interesting. And it's also interesting to me that nobody has ever said that to me before. And mm. I've talked to a lot of designers and architects and mm -hmm. artists and chefs. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of people. Nobody's ever made that distinction yeah. in the way that they describe their own path. Mm -hmm. 
because my, my question to you was going to be, so you've, you've got another successful project and it's doing really well. The mindset of most creatives is always what's next. Right. It's always what's next. Right. I've done this, I've, now what's next? I've done that, now what's next? And it's to, to change and create and do different. But as a craftsman, you don't always want to do different. You, right. you want to do what you do right. as to the best of your ability and to mm -hmm. live up to a certain expectation, whereas an artist is going to try to do something different all the time. Right. You're, that's, you're exactly where you want to be. So what do you do next? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, like I also said prior, like, I, I want to spend more time with my family. So I'm not interested in opening another huge restaurant because it consumes you, it's, it's, it becomes your life. Uh, so if I were to do anything, I'd want to do something that, you know, like a pizza concept where, where it's, you know, you don't have to have a big menu, you just have to do one thing and do something that, again, pizza, everybody loves pizza. Um, so something like that, that I just can make something that I know people enjoy eating and, and that it's, you know, and uh, so something like that. Because, you know, like I said, like there's definitely, I can say I'm not an artist, I'm a craftsman, but there's, all, there's a level, it's like kind of an interplay in what I do. There's, there's a level of artistry to it. And there are some chefs who go way more on the artistic side of it. I think I'm more on the craftsman side of it. But like a great chef who is super artistic, like Jordan Kahn, for instance, at Vespertine, like what he does is, is all, like it's arguably art. It's almost more in a way more art than food but that guy can cook I mean he can work in any kitchen in the world he's he's like he's a craftsman too like it's not like he didn't just dro drop out of art school and open a restaurant like he's he's so I, I mean I have a ton of respect for for him he's a hard worker and he's a and he's a he's really good at what he does so I mean but he I'd say is way more on the art artistic side of the spectrum but he's also a craftsman so it's just a way you like two ways to look at like the same thing. It's it's a very there's a big spectrum I think is what I'm trying to say in what we do. There is and clearly we're not going to even scratch the surface here which I would I would actually love uh at some point to come back to this cuz I think it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. Um this is Convo by Design. We're at the LA Design Festival with Chef Steve Sampson of uh Russell Blue. Congratulations Thank on all you. the success. It's fantastic. Thanks. This has been great. I've really enjoyed the time. Yeah. And of course, if you want to hear uh, more, you can find everything at Convo by Design, available everywhere you, uh, you get your podcasts. And there might be some video as well for you to look at on our YouTube channel. So thanks for listening. Steve, thanks. Thank you. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit 
and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Van Damme mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Van Damme before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at vondamme.com.